When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we talk rough grouse and grouse cover with Kyle Warren. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 251. All right, welcome to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We've got some grouse talk on the way with our guest, Kyle Warren. We will chat with Kyle in just a minute. I will quickly thank Patreon patrons of the Birdshot Podcast, those of you out there making voluntary contributions in support of the show. Those patrons are eligible for Patreon giveaways, do some bonus content, and we set everybody up with some Birdshot Podcast can coolers and stickers. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. All right, I don't have a whole lot of updates for you, and I am hustling right now to get this intro completed and get out the door. So I'm headed for the Grouse Woods this afternoon. Another nice week of weather here with potentially some snow on the horizon, but this has been a wild December, and it's made for some enjoyable bonus walks out in the Grouse Woods. So I'm going to get one more walk in while I got the chance. I hope all of you have continued to have enjoyable and successful hunting seasons. And with that said, I've got definitely grouse and grouse cover on the mind lately. So I thought it'd be a good time to reconnect with Kyle Warren. He's been on the show before, about two years since we had him on the last time, talking lots of tracking and true dogs. If you remember that conversation, Kyle spends a ton of time in the grouse woods every year. He's obviously got the obsession and a passion for it. I love picking his brain, some of the things that he sees and thinks about. And it was about time I got reconnected with Kyle and we caught up a bit. Talked grouse and grouse cover primarily on this part of the conversation. There is a part two, which will be 
more focused on the grouse dog component of the equation. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let's talk grouse and grouse cover. Welcome into the conversation and back to the Birdshot podcast of Paint River Llewellyn's Kyle Warren. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> My guest today, Kyle Warren, welcome back to the show, buddy. I'm happy to have you. I, man, I was just looking the other day. We were we had been kind of texting and coordinating this a little bit, but uh, it's been two years since we had you since we had you on the show. So I figured that's that's about due for wow. wow. Get Kyle back on and and let's uh, let's ask a few more questions to the guy in the woods every every day. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's, it's time flies, I guess you know. So see, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say thanks for having me. It's great to be here and always enjoy our conversations. Yeah, agreed. What can you tell me about El Nino, Kyle? <laughs> well, right 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 now I I'm liking it. <laughs> so, you know, late season has just been unheard of uh I think uh one of the lo- lifetime locals uh up here in the UP said something like they haven't had a green Christmas since like 1998. Yeah. And uh, I guess the long range forecast right now goes like basically to Christmas and it's questionable whether we're in that forecast, we're getting rain or snow, but you know, we're soaking it up and taking advantage of it uh, every day while we can, you know, it's sometimes we feel like any day past November 1st up here is a gift, but uh, right now we're, uh, we're riding on overtime. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like you're sort of playing with house money or like every day just feels like a bonus, which is a is a good way, you know, it's just like once you once you kind of have the heart of your season and you get into this time of year, as you said, I mean, last year it was a pretty quick, I don't know about you specifically, but it was a pretty quick shutdown. We had, we got a, once we got the snow, it kind of, it came pretty quickly. I, there were some good hunts to be had in November, but I know we got snow in, in December and now this year it's, man, we had like one early warning yeah. around Halloween. <clears throat> we got, we got snow here and that was kind of <laughs> like, oh, here we go. But then that melted off yeah. and set no set the stage for November, which was about as good a November as I could remember. And now we're yeah. just, I mean, shoot, we had forty degree temps last week, and we're going to have forty degree temps again. And yeah, the I, I try not to look too far ahead this time of year because yeah, I don't need to be getting too high or too low. But it's it's that extended forecast through Christmas now looks like above freezing. It's yeah. kind of wild. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it was actually it was. Almost like this day, I think it was like the 14th last last year in December that we got dumped on with like two feet of snow and it was it was yes. done. But and I'll hunt the dogs, you know, up till eight to 10 inches, depending on the covers and stuff. You know, once it kind of once they got it kind of like bound through the snow, it's just energy less efficient. <laughs> the birds are, you know, they're just often not on the ground very much at all. The snow roosts, you know, and you know, buried in yep. there good, you know, so it just, it's, it's not safe. Uh, it's, it's not quite as fun, uh, and, uh, or efficient. So we, we shut it down there, but yeah, this November was, uh, incredible, you know, it was just, a absolutely amazing weather. So we're getting out there every single day. And, you know, my, my wife knows that like <laughs> from, from September 1st and, and, you know, through January 1st, I'm I'm just kind of the ghost that comes and goes. Uh but uh this <laughs> once like there's a little snow on the ground or there's a real bite in the air, like she just sees me like 
charging to the truck every day to leave with the dogs because I just, I feel like I'm on borrowed time and like, it's just kind of yep. keep going and going, you know? So, um, this, this, uh, late season has allowed us to keep going and going for sure. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, you gotta, you just gotta enjoy it while you can. Cause yeah, like, like you said, I, I mean, I was trying to think and recall back, I was chatting with some other hunters recently about kind of snow free Decembers. There's a guy that, well, you've had him on the, on the show before Kevin Shepard, he always relayed this thing to me that he heard from an old grouse hunter. Like once every seven years, you get a December where there's not a whole lot of snow. So you got to take advantage. And that happened like 2020. Yes, I feel like it, it was, was a few years ago. Yeah. yeah ne- never had, had more, pretty... never had more than six inches of snow that whole month on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last two winters have been kind of normal onset. And then obviously this one different, who knows if that's, if yeah. that's changing or, or if we're going to start to see more of that. I mean, if we do, there's obviously considerations there. You see now it's like, I don't know like what your thoughts are, but it, it's been so mild recently. Like, I don't think the birds have a whole lot of concern. I mean, they have, they have access to a lot of food on the ground. There's, there's lots of food in the woods. In theory, there's, there's less people out there hunting them, but you, what you don't want to see now is like a huge dip in the temperatures, or at least that's how I, that's how I think about it, you know, non-scientifically then like when it does snow, you kind of just hope it piles up real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I don't know. Well, well, we can talk about just like the flow of the season on a season recap, but you know, it certainly like last winter was a great wintering winter for the birds, yes. you know, like even though we like we had we had winter thaws. So, you know, the snow pack got hard at times. It just snowed so much that like there was always fresh mm-hmm. snow that they could bury themselves in. And I mean, there were there were there were a good number of birds over the winter. I wasn't, you know, uh, too worried. In New York, it's it's different. Like we'll get and we don't get the the consistent 20 below 30 below zero right. that, that you can get up here but you know we get we can get cold winters uh, certainly in the north country in the adirondacks where i always hunted as well uh, you know they, their temperatures are more consistent with the north woods here and uh you know they get they get snow as well but they get they get winters where it's not like that and i think i think they just really hug those you know, tightly woven conifer clusters, you know, during, during that time, I, I think the the greatest disadvantage without the snow are just, you know, more predator kills, you know, I, I don't know about you, but certainly being in the woods every day, all day. Now the the woods is as bare as they're ever going to be right now. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. so throughout my season, I'll come across a couple like hawk kills and stuff like that of grouse, uh, but I would say in the last four weeks, I I've seen more grouse piles uh, from predator kills, you know. And actually, I I actually interrupted a gosh hawk that literally just caught a bird before I had gotten there. Um, I was uh, trying to do some video, uh, not carrying a gun, and and uh, the dog points and she's. And she's pointing a, a gosh hawk on the ground with the burden of flew like 30 oh. feet, holding onto it up in the branch. And I, I was trying, I was kind of far away with my phone, trying to zoom in to get in and he dropped it. But I, I actually posted that video of, uh, it's, it's not as good in the videos it was <laughs> in real world, but, but yeah, it had just ripped the head off. The body was warm, you know, um, 
So, but I, I found over a dozen. Uh, what do you what do I in think? that situation? Leave the girls for the goshawk? Well, it fl- ended up flying. Like I videotaped the goshawk sitting in the tree limb, and then it flew away. Like seemed like it flew far away. So I, I, I took the bird. I didn't, I didn't okay. assumed it wasn't going to be coming back. <laughs> but, but most <laughs> of these are just like remnants of you know, right? You right. know, the the bird there. This was literally just a fresh kill. Um, but, uh, I've seen more of that this winter than any other winter. I mean, I've had some, I've had two crazy scenarios in New York where hunting that abandoned farmland adjacent tamarack or pine plantation, you know, and there's a gosh hawk sitting in there somewhere and the bird flies up over the hawthorn grove. You hit the bird, the bird goes down and the hawk dives out of the trees and is mantling the grouse on the ground before the dog can get to. And the dog's eyes are as big as oranges. And we're all like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> but, you know, and I'll see the occasional, uh, I'll be riding my ATV to a cover or something, you know, during the se- earlier season. And, you know, grouse might fly up off the sides of the logging road, you know, and all of a sudden here comes like a Cooper's hawk or something out of the tree, following it down the, down the logging road. But it's been, I don't know. It's been, it's been, a uh, uh, not that I ever take these birds for granted, but it's just been a real good reminder of how <laughs> how the struggle is real for the rough grouse, you know. Right. And and I don't know. I think about it. I don't know. I, I mean, certainly when I hunt covers that are higher pressure, that I know people are hunting in more. You know, you always think about like, okay, well, I took one bird from here. You know, I won't go back there again because everybody's in here all the time. You know, kind of thing and. I don't know. I, I, I don't just think about it in terms of humans. I think about it in terms of like hawk kills too. I mean, I, I got one honey hole that I know I'm the only person that hunts in there. It's private land and uh, there's a lot of birds in there. So I'll, I don't feel bad about taking a few out of there, but I went in there for the second time uh, last week and um I saw two grouse piles on the ground, you know, that looked like, you know, raptor kills, you know? Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I, I, I just turned around and looked, opened up Onyx, looked like, oh, where else can I go or, you know, explore a bit that's not too far from here? Because I was like, all right, well, I took two out of there. I see there's at least two more dead in here, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it's a different perspective. And, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't find that that often, like in September and October. So you don't think about it as much. And so certainly for like out of towners or people that might not be in the woods as often and aren't finding that, that's, I don't even think that's on their radar. You know, they know hawks eat grouse, but they don't actually see it, you know? So yeah, it's a, I don't know, it adds to your mentality for sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, your perspective kind of changes. I mean, it changes throughout the season and year Mm -hmm. to year and that kind of thing. That's, that's kind of an interesting that you've seen an uptick in it lately. I can't say that I, that I have, but what I have seen are uh, lots of tracks, you know, with a little bit of snow that we do have out there. You oh, start, yeah. That's always an interesting, yeah. just like, you know, you, you're just like, you're ignorant to it the whole season. I mean, you yeah. you know that these animals are out there, but then the snow comes down and then, you know, I'm looking at grouse tracks, but you're, hmm. you're seeing fisher tracks and bobcat tracks yeah. and wolf tracks and everything. It's just like, wow, this yeah. is, there's it, a lot, a lot more going on here than you it, might think. It's, it's a different sport once there's snow on the ground, you know, yeah. it really is. It's a different sport. You, you think it's an advantage, but it's really not. I mean, how often, right. You, you find tracks and, uh, the only time I feel that it's an advantage, I love it. It's, 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 it, it adds in a, a dimension of like information. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not, 
But, you know, when you have a fresh snow, then yeah, it's awesome. But like if you if you had snow like three days ago and the temps have been consistent and now you're trying to decipher fresh tracks from old tracks, you know, and I mean, with my trackers, I rely on, on them a lot. But, you know, these especially if you're in areas of like deadfall and stuff like these birds can do like, you know, some crazy ballroom dancing all around these uh you know, right. deadfall right. piles. So you think, <laughs> all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go thirty to hundred yards in this direction, and dogs gonna slam on point, and we're gonna flush the bird, and we're gonna get a shot opportunity. Meanwhile, you're trying to follow these tracks while your dog's casting around, and you haven't gone more than twenty yards, and then the dog comes over, goes on point, and you know that they're on a hot track, and then like it kind of breaks away from that deadfall, and now I end up going two hundred yards with the single grouse track going that way. But they were dancing around for who knows, maybe maybe a couple days in that tight little spot, and then they sensed us coming in there, and they started to creep away. You know, so it it it, it really changes things. But my search and rescue brain, and I I got myself in trouble with this just yesterday on a hunt with one of my dogs. You know, y- you need to. Uh, because we don't know where they are, you kind of need to just void your mind of all that and read the dog first. And like, if we have if the dogs casting and blasting and I see tracks on the ground and they look fresh to me, or I know they're fresh because it's a fresh snow, I'll certainly start to walk that way. And the dog comes over and, you know, they might pick up on that track and go with it. But with the trackers of anything, well, it depends on my, which dog we're talking about, but it, it can slow them down more than, uh, because uh, it's not optimal scent conditions uh, when we're talking like, you know, it's in the 20s and there's fresh yep. snow on the ground. That's not optimal tracking conditions. You see, you know, when we're talking cold tracking, you know, older tracks, you you see the, those dogs with the more potent noses that have, you know, those colder noses. You see, um, you see less tracking as the year goes on and, and the tracking that you do see is, is hotter tracking. Just because like, you know, scent compositions based on moisture content and when it's frozen, you know, it's there, but it's, uh, it's, it's not as conducive as when you get up to a, above freezing. And I've had dogs track and, you know, sub zero temperatures, you know, but it's hot stuff. It's not, they're not tracking old, old stuff usually. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I've had this kind of pet theory and you would know much better than I, that like, and it's based on my senses, but when you're out there and it's colder, say say below thirty, so below freezing, and it just everything feels like a little bit more sterile. And, and yeah. you know, I have I'm I'm quite certain it has a lot to do with that. Things are frozen. It's there's not they're not melting and there's not moisture releasing into the air. So it just seems like the the scenting conditions are such that when there is a bird there, not so much the tracks as you're saying, but when there is a bird there that scent must really stand out to the dogs. It's like, I don't think yeah. they're smelling a whole <laughs> lot. And then, oh, bang, bingo, there's a grouse. So like you can get really good dog work on those live birds. It seems like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't disagree with that. I, I think I think traditionally, like during the day, you know, humidity might be lower. The air is drier, right? So like, I mean, I, yeah. I basically hunt, uh, you know, I, I, I utilize my GPS a lot on my hunt you know, with how I do things. And, you know, so my, my right hand, I'll put a, I have a tight fitting glove on that hand and my left hand, you know, don't have a glove. So I'm kind of like going the Michael Jackson route, I guess here, 
but you know, so that's, that's like my late season scenario. But anyway, I say that, you know, because like my, my left hand is dry. I got cracks in the corners of where my fingernails are. Right. Because the air so dry. Right. You know, yes. so it's like, yeah. it's cold, it's dry, you know, that it's just not, you know, when, when your hands are cracking because of the cold, dry weather, you know, it's not optimal sink conditions, you know? So, yeah. So the other thing, but again, like we we're talking about with, uh, uh, the grouse surviving and stuff, this is the most barren time of year in the yeah. woods. So you have the greatest opportunity for scent to be free flowing in the air. This is the time of year that you do actually get, you know, 20 to 30 yard scent cone points, you know, yeah. there's just, you don't, you, the percentage of that happening is, you know, well below 10% of the time when we're talking early season hunting, uh, because of soft mass and everything. So it's just a different, uh, it's a different sport, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people struggle with it. I think they overthink it a little too much, but I think they struggle with it because their dog is uh going to be dealing with less scent you know for sure and it's yeah it's just a different game yeah yeah and and, you know again i don't i don't like you like you're you live in grouse country i live in grouse country so we kind of hunt right through it and maybe our dogs benefit from that where they kind of things are changing subtly you know day by day versus somebody that maybe takes a trip you know in october and then sure they're considering taking a trip late season, you know, things, things change a ton, um, for, for that person. But that's just, I mean, it's the season's changing. Absolutely. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, we all love October, you know, it's, it's the one month we want, you know, 12 times a year, but, uh, you know, you're really, it's great to assess a dog like through it all to just see like, you know, to me, I always tell everybody, I've, you know, I've never watched a dog out based on, on nose, you know, uh, I, I, everybody likes to say their dog has an amazing nose. I really don't care what my dog's nose caliber is. I care what's in between the ears. So you, you just, you really get to see how the dog's brain adapts to, you know, its hunting environment, you know, and it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. You know, there are definitely, I mean, I got my as I like to call them, you know, and Kyle's silly statistics, you know, my, my top scorers, you know, <laughs> my top scorers are, are, uh, you know, I mean, they're both, you know, my tallies and stuff, you know, I mean, we can never count how many birds we harvest over a dog by the measure of a dog. Cause we all miss these birds so darn much, but right. Right. You know, I keep tracks it's of those a, things, not a uniform you know, thing, but yeah, you know, they're, they're a little sports card, you know? So and they're and my top scorers are always like neck and neck in those numbers because statistically my shooting percentage is the same. So if they're hunting the equal amount and sure. same kind of equals number of birds, they kind of end up with around the same kind of number. But it's just interesting to see how how it changes with the weather, you know, be- between them. So it's a it, it is a benefit that we have by living here, and especially when we're blessed with the weather, we've had to get to see it happen for for our dogs, right? Right. Yep. And like you said, I mean, it could any other year we might be just sitting here reflecting back on on hunts from October and early November. Oh yeah. And, you know. No. No. Normally, much. normally my dry erase board is already hung up on the wall. I'm doing Dexter Laboratory <laughs> plannings for yep. breedings and stuff. And right now, uh, I am not. Uh, my brain is not in that mode at all yet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Okay, so this is a little thing I jotted down. Something I was I had. You've seen it a million times. I've seen it, and I was like, "Oh, I got to ask Kyle about this." When you're when you're walking in the woods and there's no snow, and and I mean not even recent snow, but maybe there's been bad weather or something, but you see that poop pile, the grouse poop pile, right? So it's like a roost. If, yep. if anybody doesn't know, like you'll see a a ball or a small pile of a bunch of grouse poop indicating that, hey, a grouse was sitting here for a long time. A lot of times you can find that in the spring, you'll find those things all over the place. Yeah. And you can naturally assume a grouse burrowed under the snow and was sitting there for a couple of days and left the pile. Snow melts away, there's the grouse poop. But when you see that and there hasn't been snow, yep. do you just assume that it was like a, a crappy couple of days and that like, why would a grouse just sit there on the ground for a couple of days? Yeah, I don't think they're sitting there for a couple of days. You know, I think people and, you know, maybe a grouse biologist can answer this more accurately sure. than me. But, you know, how many birds, Nick, have you shot just before dark that they almost look like they were flying with their head towards the ground because their crops are so big, right? I mean, yeah. they got to process all of that. You know, I, I'm not fully convinced that that's not just from like a 16-hour period like you know, we start getting to October, you have a lot of hours of daylight, darkness, right? You know, whatever it is, yep. 14 plus hours, right? And they're there a little before and a little after that, you know? So if you got a bird sitting in one spot that's got a crop packed, mm-hmm. you know, yep. for 15 hours in the same location, like, I mean, I personally, I'm not convinced that that's not just from one night. You know, I, I, don't, th- I don't think they're sitting there. I don't think they're sitting there. I mean, they leave there. You know, I mean, in the wintertime, you know, when it's 30 below zero and the winds are whipping, yeah, I think they'll be there. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, they're, I don't think they're sitting there in October for a couple rainy days exposed. I mean, they're, they're in the conifers. It's, you know, when you go hunting in the rain, where are they, right? They're not sitting on the ground. Right. In a 10 year old Aspen cut where you find these piles, right? You know? And what do you see when you're in the conifers? You see those same Mike Ikes, but they're kind of spread out because, you know, they're just falling off from the tree limbs from 20 to 30 feet up, you know? So, yeah, I mean, my, you know, I I can, I could be completely wrong, but having hunted in the rain in all kinds of cover, you know, like I'm not, I'm not finding, you know, I'm not kicking up grouse because when I know you're talking about, I mean, there's plenty of those you find those piles and there are like yeah. a ball. So, you know, the bird is sitting there, you know, on the ground. Yeah. That's not like a sprinkling about yeah. of grouse. Poop. Yeah. It's, a, the, it's a it's condensed a, pile. Yeah. It's a ground roost for sure. And I just think that that is from a, I think that's from a single sitting of a grouse that gorged itself and has been sitting there for 15 hours because that's how much darkness we have, you know? Sure. So, yep. I mean, I mean, I've, I've opened up crops and we don't like, we find them often because we're hunting where there's a lot of birds, but you're not finding them. Like when, you know, you've hunted plenty of covers where there's 10 or 20 birds in it. Right. And you could hunt it. You could hunt that after several days of rain. You're not walking into that Aspen stand and finding 20 piles like that. You're finding, that's correct. you're finding one or two, you know? So, yeah. so I, I firmly believe they're just grouse that gorge themselves and have been sitting in the same spot because of the time of year for the amount of darkness we have. And it's got to come out and they're just processing it out the other side. And, you know, I don't know. I, 
I think I'm right, but you know, some, <laughs> some, somebody that's, uh, you know, studied it more specifically, but that's my take on it based on the infrequency of finding it com- compared to the number of grouse that I find. And I don't find the grouse sitting there on rainy days, you know? Yeah. So, yep. Well, certainly any input from listeners would be welcomed on that point. And I would say that your assessment makes as much, if not more sense than I think I kind of backed into that observation. Just my first, like, I always assumed that's a snow roost, you know, finding those piles in the spring. Sure. And it's like, okay, you know, makes sense. Grouse burrows under the snow and you'll find them out in clear cuts. Like if you're yeah. out walking around there, cause that's, that's where you get nice, big, white, fluffy snow. And so then when I see it in, let's say late October or November, and to your point, it's infrequent. It is not, this is not like, oh, I'm dodging a grouse pile here, grouse pile there. Yeah. It's like every once in a while, it's like, oh, there's a, there's a ground roost, you know? Sure. And yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that makes just as much sense. Yeah. It's one sitting grouse processing a crop full of food for whatever reason he chose there to, to sit yeah. and process that big crop. And yeah. yeah, there it is. And I think, I mean, it's kind of like, and you know, I don't think every grouse gorges themselves, but certainly after some bad weather, you know, yeah. if they haven't, if they've been sitting in a conifer and they're reluctant to, you know, go to the ground for food or if it's later in the season, go up in that windy aspen tree and 20 below zero and, you know, doing there's not a lot of snow on the ground or whatever yet. You know, I, I, I just think I think they're gorging themselves and that's the end product of it. And, you know, I'm the TMI guy, Nick. So you better believe that every time <laughs> I see one of those piles. The first thing I do is take a little twig and I poke it, man. I I look to see like, you know, if it's cold. How is, fresh. Yeah. Is it frozen? Yeah. Is it like sticking to my little stick that I just poked it with? You know, all right, cool. You know, and if the dog is 40 yards over to my right and hasn't been over that way, hey, get over here. You know, there's going to be a track right <laughs> here, man. This thing, this is sticking to my twig like uh, it's nobody's business. This is, you know, so if it's, if it's a steamer, we're going for it. But you know, it's, uh, but I look at that. Sometimes the guy was like, Oh, wow. You know, that that's a, that's just a snow roost, uh, you know, uh, because it's all dried out and almost looks needly, you know, kind of thing, you know, so you can, you can tell, but it is cool to see, you know, springtime, the droppings and stuff, but the fall, you know, it's, uh, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, where they're in like a food coma when, when it's dark, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And maybe they, right. maybe they're on the ground too, because literally some of these birds can't fly. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, I literally well, see that, with their was... head down and like, they're like trying to fly away from you and they can't, you know, I was going to say that that was like, be my next question. Like if given the choice, if I'm a grouse, to roost in a tree or on the, like, why would I ever roost on the ground? And yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a physical limitation or not, but yeah. that is, that's an interesting sort of differentiation. Like Absolutely. you could be up in a conifer or you're right here on the ground. Yeah. And little Timmy over eight, that's the problem. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, between the two of us, we got our, our homework is to come up with a, with a grouse poop pile photo. There so we I go. Can put that in the, the oh, Instagram yeah. post for yeah. this. Sa- sadly, uh, that won't take too long to find in my photos. Uh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's probably more poop pile photos than than other things. In yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't wear gloves when you're hunting late season, or you wear one but not two. Yeah, lately I, I, I've I've become a little more of a wimp, I guess, and I've been wearing uh, one on my uh, uh, my right hand, my gunning hand. And, uh, cause that's just holding the metal 
And then the, yep. the other hand, I, in New York, I've seldom did because the, I don't know, the weather wasn't, uh, quite as biting at, at, at times, but my hands just get cracked, you know, obviously if I'm not, if I'm not wearing gloves. Uh, but for me, again, I utilize my GPS to know where I've been, where the dog's been a lot. And at least on the 200, you know, like the 100, while if you had gloves that like were finger fitting enough, you could tap your screen, you know, the 200, uh, isn't as friendly in that respect, you know, the Garmin 200. So, so I, I, I don't wear a glove on my left hand, but that said, you know, if you hunt with me, you're on, you're only cold for the first five minutes, you know? So, right. Um, right. <laughs> usually a guy, I start off with like a winner I, in my game bag. I keep like my, my hunting ball cap, you know, but I, I start off my hunt with like a gator on a winter hat. And both of those are in my game bag. And, you know, the ball cap is out, you know, usually, <laughs> usually within 20 minutes, you know, it's just yeah, what happens. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that I appreciate so much about grouse hunting is it's an upland bird hunting it's an active pursuit right so you can you can sort of work yourself into uh, a good heat and be out there and enjoying that cool weather you know you can it it really is enjoyable once you get warmed up and i asked about the gloves because i've i was going to go into this with and i might have another guest on to talk a little bit not specifically about this but i put a thing up on instagram recently looking for cold weather glove recommendations because i I've not been diagnosed with this, but I think I have Renaud's oh, yeah? symptom or, or yeah. I can't remember what it's, it's Renaud something. Yeah. It's this finger Cir- thing. It's like a sensation thing. You lose circulation in your fingers and it's really fickle how it like comes and goes. I mean, it's, if you expose your, like for me, I guess the way it affects me, if I expose my bare skin fingers to cold air and I'll say like kind of below 30 degrees, it can happen above that with like extended exposure mm-hmm. but not if i'm active so it's below 30 is where i start mm-hmm. to struggle and if especially if i'm gripping the barrels gripping the steel that kind of thing like oh, yeah the sensation will go out of my fingers to the point like they turn white there's like no blood in them and to the point where it's like i couldn't do anything with my finger i could hardly do anything with my fingers yeah. and then it's just that question of how long am I going to deal with this until my circulation just sort of overrides it sure. and my finger, you know, everything comes back. So I've been fiddling around, trying some different gloves and stuff. And yesterday I was out hunting and it wasn't really that cold. It was like just under 30 degrees, but I always know that for me, that it's going to be a 10 to 20 minute sort of just annoyance. And, yeah. and yeah. it was yesterday, but we minimized it with some of these gloves that I've been trying and doing wind stopper stuff. But yeah, for the most part, I'm like you, you know, I, and even I try to like, I dress really light and sometimes I could probably minimize the suck a little bit by wearing that extra hat or that extra layer and just knowing I'm going to toss it in my game bag. But usually, usually you can just, you know, sort of exercise your way out of it, which yeah. again, I do enjoy that. About oh yeah, it. for sure. <clears throat> yep. All right. So that is, all right, let's, let's talk about, so we're kind of talking late season. Let's talk about, uh, I had jotted down, like, do you find yourself drawn to exploring more this time of year, going back to a cover that maybe you hunted earlier in the season? Like what's your approach to, to the late season? Sure. So for me, you know, kind of the, I have, uh, throughout the, throughout the course of a year. Uh, you know, my, my life is pretty formatted. It's very cyclical. 
in that like you know once hunting season's over it's breeding season once you know the snow is gone it's training season until hunting season you know while we're raising pups and stuff <laughs> and then and then we're hunting full on until the end of the season so what it, what that translates to with your question is like when does Kyle get the scout you know and that's late season for me sometimes late season if we got lots of snow on the ground it's me driving around in my pickup truck on roads yeah. that I hope my four-wheel drive can get me down as I'm just kind of like looking like if what on the ground and what's on the map looks the same and thankfully with late seasons like we had in 2020 like we're having this year you know pretty much and what I consider late season to me late season is pretty much starts November 1st in my head and I I very seldom I very seldom uh, I try to hunt very few covers that I hunted earlier in the season. Sometimes I'm forced out of those covers because of birds, you know, birds that I've harvested there. You know, if I'm not harvesting any birds, and especially if it's a cover that I know I'm the only one in there, I mean, I'll keep going. I'll keep going back there every seven to ten days if there's lots of birds in there, and you know, uh, I haven't been able to bring a bird down, but minus that scenario, uh, using this late season as a great example. So Michigan season shuts down. I hunt Michigan, Wisconsin all season, but obviously more Michigan than Wisconsin, uh, early season, but late season, we shut down from the 15th to the third through the 30th uh, in November for our deer rifle season here in Michigan. So I'm exclusively in Wisconsin then. And I just, depending upon the amount of snow that we have up here versus down there, I, I might be hunting Wisconsin a lot in December. And, you know, so I, I, I typically, I got to drive there and stuff, you know, uh, so I got to drive uh, quite a bit, but I, I usually have five hours on the ground, which for me, I have the dog power. So I'd rather, you know, do hours, 60 to 90 minute hunts, you know, if we're getting into lots of yep. birds and it's a deep cover, it might be two plus hours, but you know, my, my, my goal you know, when I'm going out with a dog is to have them on the ground for 60 to 90 minutes. And I'll do that every yep. day, you know, with them. So uh, the hope is that they'll, they'll have at least four or five decent hunts out of six or seven in a week. But I have not hunted the same cover twice um, since uh, November 12th. And Every single cover since November 15th, there's one exception to that, which I'll tell you is a good story, but uh, every single cover since November 15th um, has been a cover I have never, ever hunted before. And because of the weather and because I'm fortunate yep. that this is what I do for my job, I have, I have, I have established 70, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> getting, getting my numbers reversed there. Uh, I wrote it down. Let me look because I got all these numbers here. I've written down for yep. you. I have <laughs> I have I have established uh uh seventy four new productive Wisconsin grouse covers uh in the past month, and uh so that is that's awesome. I mean I'm thrilled, and that's all just because the weather's allowing me to do that. You know so and and in Michigan here, you know I I've added over thirty. You know so just one hour hunts. You know uh. And being able to do that. So, I mean, what am I looking for? I mean, no matter what season it is, you know, early season or late season, I'm always starting with conifers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it, to me, that's honestly the key to their survival. I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
whether what, whatever kind of precipitation, whatever extreme temperatures up or down, you know, when there's no snow on the ground, protection from predators, including us. I mean, it's just that is uh, to me, that's their mainstay. I mean, you can have lots of grouse and and no aspen if you have other <laughs> other, you know, buds and cactins there uh, for yep. them to to eat. Obviously, aspen is always a draw, and I do look for that too. But I don't know. I think people fixate way too much. I I get a million messages on you know what kind of cover am I focusing on, and uh, you know I I don't really I, I I the only cover that I don't focus on is where there's no conifers. I mean that's that's ultimately the answer. What you can't tell. Like if you're going to use Onyx or these other apps, you know, and stuff is you, you can't tell what the understory is, you know, in places yep, that you haven't yep. been. And, uh, but you start with, if you're looking at maps, you, you know, you start with conifers, you know, I mean, that's the starting point, you know, and depends on like this late season. I, I think the grass like eat the snow for moisture too, hmm. you know, uh, I, I don't know if they do, but I, I believe they do because, in dry seasons, like this season was again until towards the end of October, you just don't find, you know, covers that I know have birds in them or traditionally hold birds. The birds just weren't in there, you know, and, and because that, of the dryness. That yeah, you're, because you're, of the dryness. Yeah. So this was the third year in a row in my area that it's been super dry, which while men in the early season meant low bird numbers and uh but i i was while it, yeah while it's disappointing at times uh what it did mean was that in our area at least road hunters were far less successful <laughs> driving around on their yeah. you know side by sides because the birds just were not on the roads because you know if they, they, if they got to travel more than a couple hundred yards to get to water whether that's a puddle in the alders or you know, a drainage or a creek or a river or whatever, you know, you know, I, I don't know. My experience is when it's this dry, you know, it's like they got to be near those things because the dew on their soft mass that they're eating, you know, and stuff doesn't seem to be adequate, at least in our area. That's been my experience. So once there's snow on the ground, however, like, you know, there's no quote unquote water, water's frozen. They're all over the place. Right. So, I mean, where are they getting their moisture in the dead of winter? You know, I don't, you know, my, when everything's frozen 30 below zero, I mean, to me, it's the snow, but again, a biologist probably can point, point us in the, in the factual direction there, but you know, so, but I see birds get moved back in the cover as soon as there's snow on the ground, like once there's snow on the ground and they're past the shocky phase after, you know, two to five days, and they're like, all right, I guess sure. we got to deal with it. You know, you start yep. finding birds <laughs> and these stand out against this background. Yeah, now. <laughs> that's right. You know, you start finding birds in these covers where they normally should be. And now they are there and they're there because there's there's snow. So, you know, that that's been my experience. But if I'm if I'm scouting late season, it's, you know, any season. I mean, I'm scouting late season for my whole season, you know. Yep. So but I start with conifers and I start with water. And while I hunt everywhere and I'm super thorough in my hunting, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for what's the most productive edges. I mean, I, you know, anytime I'm in a new cover, the first thing I do is hunt edges, you know, no matter what kind of edge it is, whether it's a marsh edge, uh, transition from one stand to, to the other, a cut. 
God forbid, a trail, you know? So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I always start with conifers and I don't care how old Aspen is. You know, I, I really don't care. I care about what's around it and under it. And, you know, uh, yeah. to me, like the age of Aspen is irrelevant if what's under it is good and what's around it is good. So, yeah. And, I, would, I would absolutely agree with that. You know, I mean, I, I've seen, I've had, I've had Aspen stands. They got to be 50 years old. You know, I can't, I can't hug and touch my fingertips around the trunks of the trees. And there's loads of birds in there because of the understory. And there's yep. a good conifer concentration, you know? So it's just, uh, now, I mean, I, I generally like the super, super thick stuff, uh, because that's where birds are. And I don't know, I feel that, uh, if you're getting good dog work, uh, and I've had plenty of days where I'll put up 30 to 40 birds and I didn't even, I got like one shot opportunity, but it's the cover, you know, that I chose for that to happen. So there's certainly days where I'll choose, I'm like, all right, you know, I, I'm putting my best dog on the ground and, and these handful of covers, cause there's so many birds here and I have designs on like getting three birds over this dog in this cover and it ain't happening. And she's kind of getting, you know, screwed over a bit. So let's go, let's go to that 10 year old Aspen cut, you know, where I know there's a couple little islands of conifers there. And I know that there's going to be, you know, three to five birds there. And I know that I'm going to be able to shoot almost at every one of them, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah. so I can get the dog, so I can get that dog a bird cause she's overdue, you know, like, so I'm sacrificing, you know, potential bird count, you know, for shooting opportunities, you know, sure. Uh, d- just depending upon what that, what level of frustration that dog and I have been going through together, you know, uh, in our thicker, more preferred covers, uh, for, for the bird work. Yeah. Gearing up for your next hunt, check out ugly dog hunting company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly dog hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, ugly dog hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit uplandguncompany.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I appreciate that. I think, you know, that's one thing that the more you explore, the longer you do it, there's so many variables that kind of dictate what a person's hunt might look like. And you can you can really kind of choose your own adventure in many ways, right? Absolutely. You can decide like Absolutely. what you're saying, like I'm gonna go into this thick gnarly stuff to get my dog on a bunch of birds and just basically sacrifice maybe my shot opportunities today or you can kind of do the reverse like you're saying and hunt a different area where yeah i might not find as many birds here but i've got a pretty good chance of getting one locked down in a spot where i can get a good look at it yeah and you know attitude means so much you know uh uh in my mind like while i carry a gun and while i'll shoot birds over good dog work and until you know the state tells me i can't you know in my mind again it it's scouting season for me so like i i i enjoy it i I mean i i just love going out there like october september and october i feel like i gotta make sure that i get my dogs on birds and again i've i've hunted here for over 11 seasons now and like I said, I just added over 70 covers. Was kind of, I have hundreds and hundreds of covers and I often never, you know, I, I don't, I see them once a year, you know, yeah. uh, my honey holes that are within an hour's drive where there's loads of birds in there and I know I'm the only one going in there. Yeah. I'll revisit them a couple times through the year for sure. But it, it's just, it's an awesome feeling to like, I mean, I, I'm going into stuff that like, Okay, well, I could see how a grouse might be there, but it's unlikely. Heck, man, let's go in there. Let's see how many we can find. You know, like that's yeah. that's my attitude this time of year. Like I I don't expect to find anything, but I just always keep the couple key ingredients that a grouse needs 365 days a year, in my opinion, in my experience to survive. And it's 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 done it's done me right, you know. So and you know when when i'm exploring a lot uh and i might be working a conifer edge then it comes to like open hardwoods and i like look at the map like whoa this is like (laughs) this is like 200 something acres of hardwoods you know like mature maples you know like the the trees have got to be however old 100 150 years old right you know and you know i'm like "Eh." well and i'm looking and i'm looking and i'm and I, in this time of year, again, a little snow on the ground, you see these grouse tracks going right out into this open maples, yeah. right? So I'm like, all right, let's see where they go. You know? So it's just, you know, just like, like a little kid having fun following a mystery. Right. So we're going out there and man, before that bird flew, we were like 200 plus yards, 300 yards out into this totally mature. Like there is not, yep. there's not a, a single fern that this bird can can camouflage itself and it's walking across the snow now whether a predator decided to chase it it flew maybe it flew up into one of these maples i don't know you know but like it went hundreds of yards way out into the open before before it decided to fly somewhere you know and i see that all the time and 
there's lots of times throughout my season where I'm kind of like hauling butt through pass through cover, right? You know, like conifers and aspen here, you know, there's a, there's a 40 acre maple, mature maple stand, zero understory. And then like you see in the distance, you know, like your next like conifer aspen stand and like, so you're just kind of like power walking through it. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, three birds fly from the base of these trees or, or two yeah. birds fly off of a branch and you're like totally oblivious. And I think I was on a uh, Nick Adair's podcast. I, it might've been a, my most recent conversation with him, but I was just saying, you know, if, if, if you can see good grouse cover from where you're standing, then don't rule out any piece of ground yes. in between, you know? So that, that means a lot, you know, people and I, I got a lot of people from uh, the East Coast, you know, in New York and in those areas that uh, asked me, like, late season's really hard, can be really hard there. But it's like, you know, the, I mean, those grouse travel further than 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 our grouse do, I think, uh, just based on the lay of the land. And like, okay. again, you can flush a bird and like they fly to the other mountainside, <laughs> you know, you know, so they fly to the other mountainside. You give that same bird a week, I always say, you know, or maybe even three days and it's like back under the same apple tree, you know, and it's not flying back. It's <laughs> yep. walking back, I believe. I don't think it's exposing itself and flying across. I never see grouse just like, you know, like on my aunt's farm, you know, again, I was the only one that hunted in that whole valley. I was the only one that hunted, hunted the birds on those farms. And like, I never, the countless days, weeks and months that I've spent there, I've never just seen grouse like fly from one end of the valley to the other, you know? Yeah, they <laughs> don't know, so, seem to no, readily do that. Like no. A, like a sharp tail mite or something. Yeah. Or ptarmigan or something like that. You know, yeah. they just, so, so if they're flying literally half a mile to three quarters of a mile to escape cover, which is a conifer stand on the other, on the other mountainside, like, I, I mean, I say to myself, you know, and again, we're not the only predators pressuring them. Like, well, if there's any food over there, like, why wouldn't they be over there? You know, so when you look at like East Coast hunting, like, and I say, if you can see good grouse cover, then don't rule out anything in between. Well, in, in New York, that might be a mile, you know, whereas, yeah. whereas here, I, I, you know, the only thing that pushes them pretty far is, is hunting pressure. You know, because most of the place you find grouse, you know, when you look at what they need over 365 days, is not terribly far, you know. Yep. So they're, you know, it, it's us that push them out. It's not, it's not their, it's usually not their environment that forces them to move seasonally that much, you know. So when yep. people struggle, like well, I'm trying to target them, whatever. Well, I mean, they're just, there's, the days are shorter. They're on the ground less. And, uh, you know, there if there's no snow on the ground, you know they definitely, uh, and it's and it's a nasty day. You know they're 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 gonna be in the trees more. And there's a lot of luck in this game. I mean, it, yeah. You know, there there I I think that there's there's more luck. I mean, there's skilled hunters, there's skilled dogs. There's more luck in this game than there is skill. I mean, you got to be in the right place at the right time and having the knowledge base of of just through your experience over the years, knowing where they should be puts you statistically yeah. in a good spot but man i mean you gotta you, you, you gotta be lucky too you know it's just it's just how it is yeah yeah you can you can definitely sort of increase your chances to be lucky just with your knowledge yeah. and like you said put yourself in the right place park your truck in the right spot as you know fritz would like to say that kind of stuff and and of course experience goes a long way the more sure. you do it the more you learn but sure but 
to your point, yeah, to like when it comes to getting opportunities and just finding the right bird in the right spot, you know, yeah. that can change your change your whole day. You know, and you can I, also find a ton of birds that that, you know, definitely don't play the game or they, they play their game, you know, and yeah. they make you look silly. I uh I have uh I, I brought out a new hunter, I don't know what he's eighteen, nineteen years old this year yeah. with a friend of mine. And uh first time he's ever been grouse hunting. Uh just started getting into upland hunting, uh hunting pheasants and stuff. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, goose geese. He's got a, uh, he's got this gun. I don't know if it's like a 30 inch barrel, 12 gauge semi-auto, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. mod choke. I was like, dude, you better wait till Water these birds are like, yeah, like 50 <laughs> yards out before you think about pulling that trigger. And, uh, anyway, so nice, quiet kid. And I went hunting with them two days in a row, uh, brought him to some super honey hole spots. And, you know, we had like 15 plus birds in an hour in both places and the kid uh only shot one time both days and he got a bird both days i was like you have no idea how lucky you are (laughs) you know i mean i was hunting grouse a lot younger than than he was but it took me a long time before i hit my first grouse on the wing over a dog point i can tell you that yeah and uh this this like i was like you 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 this guy needs to do this a lot more to have an appreciation for it. You know, he was nice and he had a great time, but it was like yeah. two shots, two grouse, first time ever grouse hunting and 15 birds <laughs> in both covers in an hour. I was like, uh, that's what you call the lottery, buddy. You know? Yeah. So yeah. just, uh, he'll, he'll need a reality check at some point, yeah, which yeah. is not, not his fault, but <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's yeah. good. It gets, gets them hooked, but, uh, you know, definitely yeah. lucky charms was his nickname that weekend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, you know, I do appreciate like, you know, a lot of this, the exploration and, and, you know, late season sets up real well for it. Cause like you said, the covers down, I mean, it's just a fun time to be in the woods, similar to the spring. You know, if you do go back out in the yeah. spring and are looking around, whatever you're doing out there, it's just a fun time to be in the woods and walk and cruise and explore with that foliage down. But, and like this time of year, everything just sort of it all looks like you can really see through everything. And so you can see like, Oh yeah, that's grouse cover. You know, there's no illusion of like with the foliage (laughs) and stuff earlier in the, you can really see through the cover and see what's there. And, and you know, the conifers really stand out. They really, they sort of show the, the, their value that component of the cover and their value. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then I can also see covers where I'm like, Oof, I definitely don't want to hunt that early season <laughs> because yeah, it's yeah. thick enough as it is right now. But right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real, uh, exploring is important. I, I, I can't stress that enough. I mean, you know, I, I harvest a lot of birds every season, Nick. And, uh, if, you know, if I want these birds to be there every year for me in these, in all these covers, yes. you know, you, you gotta have the covers to do it. And, uh, I mean, literally, you know, I, and I literally have, uh, over 400 covers and I, and I, and I added over a hundred, you know, this season alone because the late season was so kind to us. So, you know, yeah, I might harvest, uh, lots and lots of birds, but you, you got to spread it out. And I think it's hard, it's hard for people that travel and do it right. You know, so you get people that come from States that don't have grass anymore and they, they had their heydays, you know, decades ago there. And, and they go, they take their week off. They come up to a place. They maybe they're here for a week and they explore the first two days and they find a bunch of birds 
in a couple covers. And then I see that truck parked in that same cover all week. Right. You know, they don't, cause they know there's birds there. Right. You know, so they, they want to go where they know there's birds there, you know? So you know how it is when yeah. that happens, you, they might shoot a couple birds the first day, they go into the second day, they see maybe half as many the next day, they don't see any, you know, but they keep hoping and going back around there. And that happens a lot. I think with, with people, it'd be a, it'd be a very interesting poll, you know, the, to like, for you know the average out of stater um how many covers how many hunts do you do on your trip and how many covers do you hunt you right know? right like that would be a good poll to to do if you can get honest answers that would be an interesting poll for your listenership yep you know because it i mean it really you know if you're here for a week you I feel like you shouldn't be hunting the same cover, you know, more than twice, you know, over and that's in the first and last day kind of thing, you know, but it's hard, right. you know, cause you get, depending upon your areas, you're hunting with hunting pressure, you know, there's somebody parked in that spot all week long sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, there's luck, you know, there's, uh, I've had covers where I've gone in one day, uh, and moved 30 birds. I go in the next day and there's literally two, right. You know? And then, and I've done all kinds of, I've gone into the same cover three different times in one day and progressively moved more birds based on the time of day, you know? Yeah. So again, it's just, uh, it's a real hit or miss thing, but you just gotta, you know, you gotta spread out the harvest is the bottom line, you know, whatever, wherever you're hunting. Yep. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely agree. It's a, it's a great point. it's a hard urge to fight sometimes the known versus the unknown. And Absolutely. I think uh, we we're sort of talking earlier, like there are a lot of factors. Like if this is your one grouse trip a, a year, you know, you're going to have a whole different sort of subset of influences on your brain than myself or Kyle, who, we, you know, we're, we're living in grouse country and, and hunting, you know, much more of the season. And I just like, if you are, if you are hunting as much as Kyle or myself or, you know, anywhere in between, right. It's a spectrum. Sure. But like if you're hunting a lot and you're living in grouse country, it's important. You better be spreading it out. You know, you yeah. better be you know, like, like learn to appreciate the exploration more so than going back to a certain cover and, and like flushing the same birds that you know, you knew were there, yeah. you know? And, and once you kind of, once you kind of get to that point, uh, it just becomes fun. I mean, it's, it's more fun. And now, like I would say I'm in a position much like you are Kyle, where it's like, you know, you hunt a spot once a year. Like I, I like to go back and just kind of like my annual check-in, like, Oh, let's see, see, you know, here, here we are a year later and kind of see how this cover is changing and developing. Maybe it hasn't changed and birds are here, birds are not there, but it's like once a year and you've got enough places to go to distribute that. Then you kind of know, like yeah. you're, you're flushing 10 birds here, 10 birds there. Yep. all over the place you know you're not having a, sure. a real significant impact on a and, local population of birds. and maybe maybe it's just coincidence but and maybe this is not your experience but my experience with late season is very different than so i you know i had made the comment that like you give a cover five to seven days to cool off and let the birds move back in and stuff like that i would very comfortably say up to 75 percent of my late season covers the best hunt that I like, if if I'm talking about like if you go back to the a late season cover more than once, the yep. best hunt there is always the first time, you know, for me. You know, like I, I'm like, well, like all these places I'm exploring and stuff. I mean, there's so many I 
Do you I, mean I, like from from year to year? No, or I'm like talking if you go season? back. I'm talking in the same season. If you go back, okay. and that, that also has just experience wise encouraged me to go other places like every time yeah. in late season. But like literally, you know, over the years, I've I've certainly done multiple like if I if I find a dozen birds in an hour, you know, uh, in a late season cover and and I take one or I don't take any, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely go back there, you know. So I go back there in two weeks, you know, and, you know, I don't I don't find nearly that many, you know, and uh, and then yeah. I might try it again. And, you know, maybe I find half that many, you know, I, I don't know. The, I think the late season, the birds, I believe while they, they have their home range and they're not going to really go that far, they either change their behavior and patterns there or they just go deeper or further or farther where they're not going to be bothered because their their energy is their resource, you know, to survive this time of year. Whereas I feel very consistently in my October covers, you know, which could be the same as my late season covers. But in October, I could go into a cover every seven days. And if nobody has hunted in there in a week, I know I'm going to find almost all those birds, almost always. You know, so it's it's uh it's 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 different that way. I think late season, uh, the the birds for survival purposes take on a different uh, you know. Oh, well, we yeah. got pressured here. I, I'm they're not gonna they're not gonna be back there in full force. And at least that's been my experience. Over seventy five percent of the covers that I've I've hunted multiple times uh in the winter. You know, because it happens. You know, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I get a late start to the day. I'm like, oh well this cover is only a 40 minute drive and that cover is a, a 60 minute drive. I wanted to go there. I'll go to this 40 minute cover because, you know, last week there were, there were this many here and less like, there's like no tracks in the snow. There's, there's no activity. I had like one tree flush, you know, and nobody's hunted in there in a week, you know, two weeks, you know, and it's, it's just not the same as it was the first time when I flushed 12 birds in an hour, you know? So so that that repetitive experience over the years has just made me more of a a single time late season cover person or fewer time late season cover you know hunt the same cover kind of kind of person and it only does yeah. a grouse hunter good to again right. just get get more get more covers i you know all those covers that i mentioned in wisconsin i mean all of them ended up producing three flushes or more you know, in an hour, you know, and many of them were, you know, like eight plus, you know, so it's like, I'm stoked to add that to the arsenal. And I I, I literally have 70 more spots circled that I'm not going to get to, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, the rest right. of this season yet. Uh, so it, it's good. It's good for the birds. It's good for you. It, I think it's good for your strategic mindset as a grouse mm-hmm. hunter. And yeah, it's like I said, you, you explore places you wouldn't normally explore. Uh, I explore places I wouldn't normally explore because like the pressure's off. Like to me, it's hunting season, but it's more scouting season than hunting season. So let's see what we can find. Yeah. Yep. Totally. It's it. There's just a, there's a mental thing going on. And again, as we mentioned a couple of times, it's like it really depends on, it can really depend on like, you know, how much have you hunted? What kind of, what kind of a trip are you on? What's your window like? But the exploration is a, is a key component. And to your point, you know, there's a, there's a, the rewards are much greater when you, 
when you push into the unknown and you know yeah. like you you have a successful hunt it's it's a different feeling than going back to a cover that you know so you kind of learn to appreciate that and just sort of lean into it yeah absolutely okay so we're jumping back in here and we're gonna talk now sort of the inspiration for this is i did listen to your episode with nick adair and uh, man i i even i leaned into i appreciate it and you mentioned this but you were talking about like if you're if you can see good grouse cover don't be afraid to explore and wander around it and that sort of thing and i've kind of like i sort of took that and like kept that in my mind ever since i heard that for the you know what i my hunts in november and stuff just like don't be afraid to just kind of step outside the aspen cut here and wander around and and explore and like that always especially in a year like this i mean the bird numbers have been pretty good but this is the kind of year that that exploration really does get rewarded more often than not i feel well we're i agree i think it comes down to (laughs) you know uh we're all afraid to not find birds yes right all right so that's that's why we don't do that right you know so uh, That's like the urge you're fighting. Is, yes. Oh, if yeah. I go over here. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yesterday, yesterday I hunted, uh, I, I did four hunts yesterday with my dogs over five hours. And traditionally this time of year, like I find the most productive time to be like between 11 and three, you know, uh, birds could be on the ground at any time once the sun is up, but Generally speaking, I, I, I find that I get the most action with birds on the ground between 11 and 3. So I usually start my first hunt, you know, around 10. And I usually am walking out of the woods for good, you know, by 3.30. That's, that's usually like this time in December. That's, that's kind of my, my timing. And my most productive hunts yesterday... And again, the birds got to be there, right? You can walk through beautiful cover in a great time of the day. And if the birds happen to not be there, they're not there, right? So, yeah. so that, again, there's luck and chance involved too. It's not just, you know, strategically, you know, uh, a win every time. But I had 14 birds in my first one, which turned out to be around 90 minutes. And it was all along the edge of very mature, bals- huge balsam stand, very mature balsam stand, like most of the branches for the first 10 feet were like dead you know and then uh and then to the to all skirting that was uh i don't know i'm gonna say 120 140 acres of uh probably like 15 year old aspen and in those aspen uh didn't have as much conifer as i like to see but it had uh, it had young conifer that was, we'll say 15 years of age or younger, you know, throughout there. But like, yeah. when you just look at the cover, all you're seeing is Aspen with like little green bushes in it, you know, kind of thing. So I started, you usually like to see a little more than that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like, uh, like a, a, a definitive, like when I look at a cover, like a 10 to 30% conifer base in there. Yeah. But, uh, so this just looked like Aspen with, you know, eventually by the time those trees are mature, you're going to have some good tall conifers within that stand. But so I'm working the edge of that and on the edge, I, I put up seven birds, you know, and then I got like well past and I was like, oh, let me cut into that stand because it was pretty mature and I could see pretty good for shooting. 
So I, I cut into that stand a, a bit, figuring maybe I'd hit some of those birds on the way back, um, literally and figuratively. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in another spot away from where those birds potentially could have flown, we found seven more. And my shooting was god awful. Thankfully, I did hit one for the dog. But, uh, so there were 14 birds in an hour and a half there. And I didn't even go into that Aspen stand. And then I was like, uh, all right, next hunt, what do I want to do? And I'm looking at that stand and, you know, it's this time of year. It's, it looked kind of barren, you know, and I'm yeah. like, eh, screw it. Let's go in there. You know? So I kind of cut over like 60 yards from the edge where I was, you know, all the birds were like, we're flying into the conifers sensibly. So we get out there and I hunted that for an hour and a half. And, uh, we moved eight birds in an hour and a half in that stand, all in those little conifers, you know, it's like when the dog goes on point and they're, you know, 10 yards from the lone conifer, that's like, you know, (laughs) like, oh, like, oh boy, it's gotta be in there. You know, either, either that's where a bird like decided to roost last night. And is no longer there, or there's definitely a bird right there. You're you know? standing right under it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we found eight birds in in that what looked kind of like barren, but they still had you know that kind of cover. And they had they're like again they're they're really exposed when they're walking around in that cover this time of year. And that had very poor understory. It was like there was like no hazel in there or anything. You know, it was just like eat like the only thing they're eating in that one are the buds, and they got to really expose themselves to to do it. But there were there were eight birds in there. So we had that. And then I did another hunt where it was kind of on the other side of that uh, Aspen stand. And it kind of mirrored the, the first balsam stand that I hunted. So I walked that edge, nothing. I walked into it, nothing. So I put, I put the, and that was for an hour or so. And then, so that dog got skunked entirely, pretty much. And then I put another dog on the ground off of a trail that was kind of catty quarter adjacent to to the balsam stand. I just hunted where there was nothing. And I'm in there for like 20 minutes. And maybe it's just because I hadn't had any action in a couple hours. But I'm like, eh, this just doesn't feel good. You know, like, you know what, I'm going to. So I'm like, let's get back to the truck and like reassess. So I, I go back to the truck and so we're out there for like a half hour, you know, and, uh, I'm like, all right, we're going to go somewhere else. And I got my dog and Nami with me. I'm looking at the map, like, where haven't I been? And, uh, I'm like, huh, all right, well, let's try over here. So I drive like a half mile down the road, go on the other side of the road, which I've never hunted on. Doesn't look like grouse coveralls, just like tall, dead balsam you know, yeah. uh, into a swamp, uh, and it's, but it's very hilly and the sun came out and I was like, oh, let's work these sunny sides, you know? So I'm working the sunny sides of this, you know, mature, but dead forest, if you will, that goes down to a swamp. And in 30 minutes we had nine flushes, you know, yeah. uh, you know, so it's like, you know, just kind of luck of the draw, you know, that, that that happens but that was that was like yesterday's cover so we ended up finding a lot of birds yesterday most of our hunts and three completely different cover types you know right you know so and anywhere you stood you know if you stood out on the main road and like looked down the road in both directions like you can see grouse cover you know yeah and they happen to be in three out of the four spots you know that 
that we looked that yesterday, you know, I don't know. I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, you, people got to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that, you know, like the old grouse are where you find them. I mean, it really sure. should, if you take a step back and take the grouse hunter hat off or like it, these are native birds. I mean, they've obviously figured out how to use this landscape to their advantage one way or the other. And, you know, you, you, we see them in enough surprising places to know, like they do kind of use and, and, or move through all of it. Uh, it's just a matter of where are they on that particular day. And, you know, you find out you can learn new things, but putting your boots down on the ground and going for a hike. I mean, that's, that's yeah. one of our main tools in our tool bag. Yeah. I mean, with the lack of snow this season, late season, uh, I, I always tell myself I'm not going into these places because they, they are, they do pose their danger and it's those deadfall stands, you know? Uh, but man, uh, I, I don't, doesn't matter where I've been. I mean, that's where they've been late season this year. A lot are these deadfall stands and, you know, it's, it's, uh, two of my dogs, uh, have injuries pretty bad actually from the, you know, like season ending injuries from me choosing to go in there and, and it's why I don't go in there, but, uh, you know, there's just, there's just been so many in there and, and, uh, you know, just going over and under, you know, with those, those deadfall conifers with the snap limbs, it's for the yeah. most part, you know, in the grand scheme of things it it, it, it might not be worth it, but my, you know, high double digit hours, like have all been in those deadfall stands, uh, this last month or so. And so when I see one and I keep convincing myself, oh, we can negotiate that easily, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you get into it and it's just like, you know, there's like, you can't walk around these dead trees. Like you gotta be like hopping from down tree to down tree and, you know, yeah. jumping off of the, off of the down trees into that one spot. And you're watching your dog, you know, as you cringe and, you know, I certainly don't recommend it, but when you start finding all these birds in there, it, it gets hard to stay away. Yeah. Well, and it's good to be aware of that too. Cause like some of that stuff's unavoidable. Like you're going to run into, sure. you know, sure. like I, I feel like spruce, you know, a, an old spruce stand with lots of down stuff that can get real gnarly and nasty. If you get wind damage in any, I was oh, yeah. hunting an area the other day where we've had, we had a real bad wind event come through uh, a few years ago now, but you know, the remnants are, are still mm -hmm. there that can make for a yeah, great, again, pretty much great grouse cover like they'll use the heck out of it but sure you got to kind of skirt the fringe of it if you can yeah 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 do you i know i know like the conifer thing i appreciate because i i mean i really think to me like when it comes to the eye test if a cover is lacking conifer that's when i really start to kind of raise my eyebrows at and just like i don't know and again i mean it's not that there's not grouse there but I just really want to see that conifer component. Yeah. You said 30%. I mean, I like that. You know, girls probably don't care. They'll probably take 50-50, whatever. Like, they they know how to use those conifers to their advantage. Obviously, you we can find ourselves in places where you get so much conifer that it's, uh, again, bird contacts, that kind sure. of thing, shooting, oppor shooting, shooting opportunities maybe go down. But there's there's two kinds of conifer, too, in, like, there's, you know, there's a big run of say cedar or black spruce, like a big conifer edge like that. But then there's also the conifer component within the cover that you're hunting. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine you like to see them both. I, I, I personally do like there's, you just want to see that mix. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, the more, 
the more species you have in a condensed area, the better for grouse, you know? Correct. I mean, you yeah. know, that, that's true. I mean, I, one of my utmost historically favorite covers, and it's kind of a timeless cover here, which is nice, you know, those cedar swamps are pretty timeless. They don't really cut them here in the UP. I don't know if they cut them in Minnesota, but, you know, I got this white cedar swamp edge and, uh, that I, that I hunt, I hunt the whole swamp, but I, I call it planet of the apes because they're just like swinging out of like, you know, how those cedars have like the bowed branches and stuff. And the birds yes. are just like hugging yeah. the trunks of those trees on the lower limb branches and like always waiting for you to turn your back, you know, and then they fly out the yeah. back door on you and stuff. And <laughs> it's just a super challenging cover and, you know, it always holds birds really well. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I like a, I like a mix, uh, you know, for sure. And again, this time of year, like you said, when you see the tracks on the ground, like, I don't know, it kind of boosts your confidence that like when you're, yeah, when yeah. you're scouting, oh, you're oh, like, okay, evidence. there's, there's a bird here. And I, yeah. I'm, you know, I, when I'm in the woods, I might not flush a single bird. And this happens this time of year, especially sometimes the first hunt of the day and stuff, or if it's just new snow on the ground and they're in that shocky phase, you know you might see loads of tracks on the ground and you never flush a bird, right? They're tucked up high in the tree. They're not going to play the game today, you know, yeah. but clearly there's birds there. Like there's tracks all over the place. And and when I come across grouse tracks, I mark a waypoint, like a covey, fine. Like there was a bird here, yeah. just not when I'm here. So I know that for the future, you know? So, you know, I do that when I'm scouting and I got, I got covers over the years that, that I haven't come back to the hunt yet, but I got covey waypoints on there saying that there are birds there you know just not when i was there you know so yeah. you know that's that's information that i use to go on future hunts and and it, it has paid dividends uh you know uh in the future because of those tracks and has brought me back there whereas i don't know uh i mean i i kind of have like a a four to five time hunt policy on a cover like if the cover is just like amazing and like, there's gotta be birds here. I'll literally go back like five times to hunt it before I say, all right, I'm not going back there for a yeah. couple of years. Bang your head you against know? the wall a yeah. few times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, that's just like, maybe somebody was just in here, you know, just the wrong time of day, the, the, the weather before, during or after, whatever the reason, like there's like, there's gotta be birds that move through here. Has to be, you know, but I'll, I do it like five times because I, I just find that that's uh you know, uh, I, I got to do that to convince myself that, you know, it's not worth going there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I see that as like, you know, you're looking at, you're, you know, you're judging the cover based on the cover. You're not purely judging the cover based on how many birds you flushed that day. And I think that's a, that's kind of a clear distinction. Cause I, you know, I've hunt with people that it's like, if they don't flush grouse on that particular day, it's like, it's a bad cover. Well, not sure. necessarily like, well, let's take a look at like, what are the elements here? What are the components? Like, should there be birds here? If the answer is yes, like I'm, I'm probably coming back. Maybe somebody else isn't, but like you, I'm going to, I'm going to give that thing its fair shake before sure. I sort of scratch it off or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've literally, like I said, I've literally hunted the same cover three times in one day because I believe there were birds there. And I was just curious, like the first hunt of the day is zero, you know, the middle you know, hunt of the day is like two birds. And then like the last hunt of the day is like eight birds or 10 birds, you know? And so I've yeah. been in there all day, basically, you know, and, and it, 
it just depends on the cover and it depends on the day. But, you know, typically speaking, good cover is going to at least have a few birds uh, if you if you hit it at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would, had mentioned something like this to Fritz, too. It's like I, I do have a lot of places now that I hunt once a year. And so it's like, what, you know, how much data do you have on a place that you walk through one? You know, there's so many f- variables on like what kind of day it was or whatever. But yeah. I'm going there because I know it's, you know, I know it's good cover, what I, what I deem to be good cover. And I have a chance finding birds there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.